Hello, hello, and welcome to the Work, Wealth, and Travel podcast. I'm your host, Nicole, aka Nomad Neeks, and this podcast is the place to be if you are looking to start creating a lifestyle that you love. From business, travel, entrepreneurship, and of course, money, we chat all of the things that I love and that I'm sure you do too on this podcast. In today's episode, I had such a great conversation with Rebecca. She is a dietitian and she knows a travel lifestyle. She was on the road in past years for an extended period of time. And I love speaking with people who are in the health and wellness space and who understand what a struggle that can be for a traveler or within the digital nomad lifestyle. And that is also a struggle I have faced firsthand. So I ask her all of the questions and we take a absolutely deep dive into health, wellness, and nutrition while on the road for extended periods of time and as a digital nomad in this episode. Let's get into it. Welcome back to another episode of the Work, Wealth, and Travel podcast. I'm your host, Nicole, aka Nomad Neeks, and in today's episode, I sit down with Rebecca. Rebecca is a licensed dietitian nutritionist and a health coach who specializes in weight loss and habit formation. With degrees in both neuroscience and nutrition, Rebecca helps her clients determine what foods best support their bodies and helps them develop lasting, healthy habits so they can achieve their weight loss and wellness goals. She's worked with hundreds of clients and has been featured in countless publications, including USA Today, Eat This, Not That, and Prevention Magazine. I am so excited to chat to Rebecca more about health, wellness, and how travel fits into that equation. So let's dive right in. Rebecca, welcome to the Work, Wealth, and Travel podcast. I am so excited to have you on to dive into nutrition, health, fitness, travel, business, all of the things today. But before we dive in, why don't you start by telling us more about your story, where you started, and how you got to where you are today. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to dive in here. Um, a little bit of background. So I am a nutritionist. I have my own private practice here in Miami, but that's not how I started. Um, uh, in college, my degree was in neuroscience and I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. So when I graduated, I did, you know, the typical thing. I got a job at a, a major university doing research. So I moved up to Philadelphia. I took this position, which was way lower paying than I wanted, right? I felt like I have my bachelor's. I should be getting paid more, but took the job. I thought it was great for my resume. Did that, hated it. The hours were terrible. Um, but sort of c- continued to climb my way up the corporate ladder. Um, and I wound up in the pharmaceutical industry. So I started as a project manager and then I worked my way up to a regional sales manager. So this is me. I'm, I'm mid twenties. I'm responsible for hundreds of clients. I have clients in 11 states. So I'm traveling and I have the corporate credit card and I can take clients out to fancy dinners. And, um, what was also cool is this is way before COVID. So I was working from home. Originally, you know, I was working from home in like 2016 when when it was unique and it was really special. So I really got to um, make my own schedule. It was flexible. You know, I could roll out of bed at 9:30, answer some emails, catch a flight later that afternoon. So, you know, I thought I was living the dream. I was like, oh, I've made it. This is this is what I wanted. I'm I'm making a huge salary. I get quarterly and annual bonuses that you know would would blow people's minds. Um, but I wasn't happy. 
you know, so like on paper, it seemed like, wow, I've made it. But I just like every day got harder and harder just to wake up and just to respond to emails and just to answer client calls. And, um, you know, I had always been interested in health and um, I felt like where I was at um, with pharmaceuticals is I was downstream, right? We were working to create drugs to manage disease. And I really wanted to be upstream of that. I wanted to be working to promote health and prevent disease before it even started. So um, I went back to school for nutrition. It was a two-year program, got my master's. And um, what's important and which we can probably get into later is I worked that whole time. So I think for you know any of your listeners who maybe are thinking about um, really going after their side hustle or changing careers. It's not about jumping out of one boat into another. Like you can walk slowly, right? You can, I, I kept my full-time job for the first 18 months I was in grad school because it's also helpful to have money, right? And figure out what you want to do. And, you know, if you start down one path and then God forbid, like you do have a change of heart, at least you have that, that fallback plan. So, um, I definitely recommend that, you know, start slow. You don't have to just up and quit everything. Um, the minute you decide you're you're passionate about something else. So um, it was a busy two years. So I did grad school. I worked full time. In order to become a dietitian, you need to do an internship. Did the internship, passed my board exam, um, got licensed in the state of Florida, got an office, was super excited. I got it decorated. Um, and then COVID hit, right? So this is like, I saw my first clients uh, in my new office in February, 2020. Everything was great. And then, you know, a month later, the world ended. So um, I had to pivot. And I was like, what am I going to do? I blew up my whole career and now I'm doing, you know, I can't even see clients. Um, so like many people, I had to make that change and I was able to pivot and see clients online. And it was actually a blessing in disguise. Um, it was definitely a learning curve, right? I had to teach myself as I went with new uh, software and, you know, figuring things out. But as opposed to just seeing clients locally here in Miami, I was able to see clients from all over the country. I even had some clients in Canada. I was able to fit more meetings in a day. Um, and, you know, I saw many more clients in that two-year period than I would have had I just been doing an in-person business, you know? So um, really, really grateful for that and the way it panned out. And now I guess we're in the post-COVID era, right? I guess it's, it's still hanging around, but technically post-COVID, I never went back. I was like, I don't want to go back to the office. Um, this is great. I feel like a lot of people still do want to um, be in their sweatpants and you know chat with a professional. I still see some of my doctors um, via Zoom. So it's worked out really well. It's given me a lot of flexibility. Um, yeah, and I'm, I'm really grateful for it. Wow, what a what a pivot and what a story. I really like that you mentioned in there, first of all, that for you, and I think for a lot of people, it was very important to continue to work and have an income, have some money coming in while you were figuring out where your passion was and what that looked like and what you wanted to build. I think that not all of the time, but a lot of the time, especially on social media, online, we see that it is so easy to just figure out what you want to do and then jump into it. And then you make a bunch of money and it's, it's great. And it's amazing. And there's so many steps in between and years often in between yeah. that you don't see because everything is very glamorized. And this is a topic that I, I love to talk about because I think that it is so, so prevalent, but I like that you included in your story. You know, I did work through at that time and it was difficult and it wasn't just a breeze of, oh, this is what I want to do. And I figured it out in a week or a day. And, you know, it really was a process. And I think you said a two year long process. 
Yeah. And, you know, I think it's a marriage between like being brave and taking that step, whatever that may be into your side hustle or into your passion, but still, um, you know, being grounded in reality that like you need money to live. Right. And so for me, I knew I still had undergraduate loans. So I needed money to pay off my undergraduate loans. I needed to pay for grad school. Um, and I was married at the time, but you know, it, it doesn't matter. I, I wanted to have that extra cash in my pocket. And, you know, when you do go, when you already do to launch your own business, there's money in that too, right? Because there's marketing. Maybe you want photos taken. Maybe you need to pay for new software um, or different types of things. So I think having um, just that extra cushion really allows you to start off on the right foot, right? And and gives you the confidence that, hey, this this was the right move. I, I know what I'm doing rather than sort of floundering, like I'm broke, I need money. What do I do? Yeah, yeah, totally. I I really appreciate you sharing that in that aspect of your journey. So talk to me about how did you go from working in pharmaceutical, working for, you know, huge companies and businesses to starting something of your own? What did that journey look like? I'm sure that you may have had or maybe had a little bit of entrepreneurial background or maybe nothing. What did that look like for you and your journey and that transition and really just having to figure everything out of starting something of your own that you're passionate about? Yeah, starting fresh. So, you know, when I first got the the inklings that um, my career in pharmaceutical sales wasn't for me, I just tried to pay attention to what it is that I enjoyed, right? Because I thought like, okay, if I'm going to make this career change, it's not going to be into another profession that I'm like feel so so about. It's going to be something I'm really excited about. Um, and there's this Japanese uh, proverb. The name is eluding me, but there's this Japanese proverb when you're thinking about what you should do with your life. Um, and it's basically a Venn diagram of what comes easy to you, like what you're good at, what you enjoy, and then also what can help other people. So if you can find something that's in the middle of all of those three, um, that's what you should be doing. And I think for a lot of us, it's easy to know what we're good at and what we like. And then sometimes we get stuck on that. Well, how is this going to help people? So for me, you know, as a nutritionist, I knew how that could help people. But um, it's easy to get caught up in the, the market saturated. There's already hundreds of thousands of nutritionists out there. What could I bring to the table? And I, I sort of struggled with that imposter syndrome. And um, a lot of people I talk to, you know, have have that same idea. Like, oh, I want to start a bakery. There's so many bakeries. I want to start a clothing land. But I think the best, the best way around that for me um, is to frame it as, yeah, everything's already been done, right? Anything you want to do has already been done, but it hasn't been done by you. Right. And that's what makes it unique. There are millions of clothing stores. There are millions of restaurants, but like you have a favorite because of the way the owner designed it. Right. Whether it's the vibe or the feel or the location. So you are what's unique to your business, regardless of what you're doing. Um, and I think that's super important to um, to remember because there is a lot of imposter syndrome when you're starting out fresh. And even though, you know, I had these degrees in this background, entrepreneurship was new for me. So I sort of, um, I didn't have a lot of confidence at first. And I thought like, can I really do this? Can I really make a career out of this? So I think that's an important mindset shift to say, yeah, it's probably already been done, but no one's done it this way. No one's had like my my life experience um, in coming into this and, and really shaping it. So um, 
anyway, started to, to get inklings about what, what I was interested in, what I was good at, what came easy to me, what could help people wound up being nutrition. And the best thing I did was I immediately started to interview nutritionists. So like there was a couple of girls that I went to college with that I knew did it. So I messaged them on Instagram. I was like, Hey, can we chat or like people locally? Can we get a cup of coffee? Like I want to hear about your day to day because like you said, everything on Instagram, right? Or social media is our glamour shots. And so I was like, I really want to know what your day-to-day looks like. And and would that be for me? Um, because before you change careers, like you need to know the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? Because it doesn't matter what, what the job is, there's going to be bad days. Um, so I think really understanding um, what the job looks like on a day-to-day basis and what you want it to look like for you. So I knew for me as a nutritionist, I didn't want to be in a hospital, right? That like that was never an option. I knew I wanted to do a private practice. So met with a bunch of dietitians, the ones that had private practices. I was like, oh, that's for me. I want to be able to create my own schedule. I want to be able to um, decide which clients I get to work with because we're a fit. So um, so that was really important too. So I think just doing your research, right, on, on the industry in general and figuring out um, what you want to do. And then um, for me, I didn't have any entrepreneurial background, right? So my undergraduate degree was um, neuroscience. My graduate degree was nutrition. There was a couple classes in grad school, but nothing that I felt like was really helpful. So I really dove into podcasts. There's so many good entrepreneurial podcasts um, and learned a lot from, from, from that, you know, and um, part of it is having the confidence to take the next step when you don't always know what's there, right? It's just saying, I'm going to see how this goes. I'm going to put it out there. I'm going to just start doing this with one client and see. Um, it's a lot of trial and error. So yeah, for anyone who's seeing the highlight reel, it's not that. It's a lot, it's messy, but I think you have to give yourself the permission to play and to like, to know that your first iteration of whatever you end up doing is not going to be perfect. Right. I've been doing this for years and now I'm in a, a good point. But like my first couple of years, no, it, it, you know, nothing is um, experience is everything. So your first couple of years, allow yourself to just be messy and play around and make mistakes. And, um, you know, everyone has like a, a beta version of, of what they want to do. Don't expect the first time to be perfect. Yeah, yeah. I really appreciate you mentioning that. And I love the fact. So my next question was actually going to be what tips would you give to somebody wanting to start a business, something of their own in the online space? But I think you probably answered it. And I really love the fact that you mentioned within there, do your due diligence and speak to somebody who is already doing what you want to do in the capacity that you want to do it. You knew that you didn't want to work in a hospital. So you're not going to talk to a nutritionist whose day-to-day is in that environment. And I know few other entrepreneurs who have done this. And I think I like this because it's not something that immediately comes to mind when you're thinking I want to start something of my own in X field. That's not something that automatically comes to mind of let me do some interviews. Let me grab some coffee chats with people who are already doing what I want to do in that same environment. But I think that is really the key to having a successful business, especially at the beginning and knowing what those next steps are when you maybe, you know, have your storefront open or you've made that website. It's like, okay, well now what? (laughs) You have a little bit of that blueprint. Yeah. And I found that the people that I spoke with, um, 
for the most part, we're happy to share their life experience, right? People are happy to talk through it. Or in some cases, you know, there, there was a couple of nutritionists who were just crushing it, you know, like making the money I wanted to make, had the clients I wanted to see. And I paid them for their time. I said, like, I know your time is valuable. Like, I'll pay you for an hour and I'll take lots of notes and get all of the things. And those sessions were also really valuable. So I think, um, if you, if there is somebody you really, really want to work with, um, or you really, really want to learn from and they're busy, it's, it's, it's a good investment to say, I'll pay you for an hour of your time. You know, I I want to hear it all. That's an important piece of it is sometimes free isn't always the best way because people are busy. They have valuable knowledge. I would almost feel like I'm taking advantage of them if I even ask for something free, let alone, I would probably never even want to ask that. So I think that that's an important piece of it as well too, is maybe, you know, sometimes it is worth that investment and to really get that good advice that you need in order to make the next steps in the beginning of your business. Yeah. And, you know, um, I'll just tell you a quick story. One of the nutritionists that I um, ended up paying to to learn from, she gave me the confidence to charge what I wanted to charge. So her hourly rate was 300 bucks. Um, and I said, I'll pay you 300 bucks. I'm going to, you know, take lots of notes and learn everything you have to tell me. But it was so valuable because we both showed up like her saying, well, you're paying for my time. I'm going to give you everything you want. And then me saying like, I need to learn everything I can. So we both showed up fully prepared. And then also, moving forward, that gave me the confidence to say, she charges $300 an hour. Like I could eventually charge that, you know, or I could, I could charge somewhere in that, in that ballpark. So I think, um, yeah, I, sometimes you need to have skin in the game, right? Like you said, you get something for free and you don't take it seriously or you don't, you know, actually utilize it. So, um, definitely consider paying people for their, for their time and their expertise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And then you saying that too, I always think of the example of freebies. When you give something mm-hmm. away for free, whether yeah. it's to grow your email list or whatever that looks like, a lot of the time it's not valued, even if it is amazing information, just because it is free. So sometimes I'm of the, of the, um, mindset that it is better to pay because you will just value it that much more. Yeah, for sure. And I think even with going to school, right, for undergrad, it was a, student loans for me. And then my mom paid half of it. And then, you know, I got B's in, in undergraduate. And then for grad school, I was paying it. I watched the money come out of my bank account. So I was like, of course I'm getting straight A's, right? Like when you feel it, when you have skin in the game, you show up, you do the work. Um, and I think that's an important lesson, you know, really moving forward, especially as an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. So thank you for sharing all of that. I love hearing, you know, where the root started in you growing this amazing, successful business. So let's chat about travel and nutrition, fitness, all of that good stuff. So I'm going to start with a very general overarching question, um, which I'm sure will lead into some other things, which is how can one stay healthy while traveling, while on the road, whether it looks like being nomadic or traveling often, or maybe even just many family vacations, how can you stay healthy when you are on the road and probably have a different set of priorities than when you're at home? For sure. So I can speak from this from two perspectives. One as being someone, you know, before I became a dietitian, I was traveling all the time for pharmaceutical sales. And now um, from the other side, I have clients who travel all the time. So I think um, the most important thing when you travel is trying to keep your morning routines the same or better. 
right? So, um, and I'd love to like hear your perspective because you thought you've obviously traveled so much, but what works for me and what um, I found has worked really well for my clients is if you typically start the morning with a cup of coffee and, you know, you walk the dog, do something similar. And so if you're on vacation and you want to sleep until 10 a.m., that's okay. But get up, start the morning with a coffee, go for a walk, right? Don't radically change your morning routine where if, if you typically don't eat breakfast, don't go downstairs to the buffet and get three plates full. Um, really, like the way you start your day sets you up for success for the whole day. So if you can just sort of keep that one half hour that keeps you grounded, you know, whatever it is. Um, and if you typically don't have a healthy morning, can you do something healthy in the morning? If you typically don't exercise in the morning, can you wake up and go for a quick walk? Can you go to the hotel gym? Can you do something? Can you move your body in your hotel room, right? Um, uh, really starting your day off as best you can, I think is is really important and trying to stick to, at least in the morning, your normal routine as much as possible. Um, and yeah, I, I, see, I see it a lot around breakfast where people say like, well, you know, the hotel offered free breakfast. I'm like, but you never eat breakfast. And so now, you know, that's going to throw you off for the whole day. Um, so that to me is, is really important. Um, on the flip side of that, I think it's really important to uh, be prepared so you're not hangry. You know, so I'm sure you take planes, trains, and automobiles all the time. Um, you know, food is limited, especially at the airport, right? Food is number one, it's expensive. Number two, it's filled with preservatives. It's terrible for you. Plain food's even worse. Um, so just to be prepared. So have protein bars on you, nut mix, nuts, string cheese, whatever it is, something that's a higher protein snack. Um, just carry it on you. It doesn't matter what kind of trip I'm taking, a work trip, a vacation, like I pack those things in my bag. So if my flight's delayed, if I'm starving on the airplane, sometimes you land late and you know, you're too tired to go out to a restaurant and room service is super expensive. Have something on you that can, um, just really help with hunger because then you're going to make better decisions. And it doesn't mean that you know, once you land, you're not going to go grab something to eat. But if you have something in, in your body that's higher in protein and is balancing your blood sugar, you're going to make a better choice, right? You're not going to run to McDonald's, right? Or get a hamburger. You're, you, you're going to say, oh, I'm pretty full, but I am going to get a salad. Um, it just helps you make those decisions as, as opposed to working from this hangry mind of like, I'll eat anything. Um, cause then you're spending more money and, and you're typically not eat, eating healthy. Um, one of the best little, uh, accessories that I bring with me are these silicone, uh, travel bags. Have you seen them? They're just like little silicone snack bags. And that way you're not throwing things away. Um, you can quickly wash them out in the sink. And so I just like, we'll fill them with some nuts or some trail mix, um, before I leave. And it just, it's, it's so helpful. And then you can, you know, rewash them and use them throughout your whole trip. So, um, that's definitely something that's, that I found helpful. Um, just taking a little bit of that time to prep. Um, one of the other things I think is useful is again, like with trying to stick to your routine, if you have a routine with vitamins and supplements, some people go on vacation and they're like, I'm not bringing that. I'm a big fan of bringing your vitamins and supplements. Or if you typically take like a green superfood powder, or you can bring that with you to travel. Um, really important to stay on track because when we're traveling, we're usually a little bit worn down, right? We're tired. We're in a new environment. You're being exposed to new germs. So you want to keep your immune system as healthy as possible. So if you typically have the multivitamin or vitamins you take, highly recommend you pack them with you um, and you also take them regularly because who wants to be sick when they're on vacation or traveling? Um, the other thing I'll say is hydrating is really important. I'm sure you know from an airplane 
airplanes really, really dehydrate you. It's a pain in the butt. You can't take it through security. So buy a giant water on the other side, use a refillable water bottle, whatever you need to do, but really, really drinking the whole time you're on the plane. And then when you land, um, because hydration literally can impact the way you think it, it can impact your cognitive abilities. Um, it can impact your physical health. Um, and it's such an easy thing to do that I think so many of us overlook. One more, and I'd actually like, yeah, like to get perfect. your feedback on this. So um, we are experiencing daylight savings time here in the States. And so my rule with daylight savings and every time we travel to a new time zone with jet lag is get on the new schedule as soon as possible. You know, like I have friends that will travel. I'm like, oh, I need a nap. No, like as soon as we land, you know, we go to Europe um, once or twice a year. And the minute we land, it's usually 7 or 8 a.m. And maybe you've only gotten a few hours of sleep on the plane. I highly recommend just adjusting. Do not go and take a nap because if you delay your body's circadian rhythm and circadian clock, it's it's never going to allow you to get on track. It's going to hurt your vacation and it's going to make you feel wonky and out of sorts. So I think it's better to feel tired for one day. Just drink some coffee, get some exercise. There's a lot of evidence now um, about grounding for jet lag. I don't know if you've heard this. So basically, if you um, walk barefoot in the sand or the grass or on like a natural stone, it can just help your body um, find find the rhythm um, and just really helps you acclimate with jet lag. So are you that way? Are you like, okay, let's go? Or are you someone who says like, no way, I need to take a nap? So usually I will try to not take a nap, but sometimes it just gets so out of control, especially. Um, so I am from Canada, but then every summer I, I lived in China and I would go back to Canada and that's like a 15 hour flight, literally 12 hour difference. So it's like wow. 2 a.m. in one time zone is 2 p.m. in the other. So that was very difficult. I had to do that many times. Um yeah. And so I think that sometimes can make it a little For bit. For sure. There are but... exceptions. Yeah, that, that's extreme. <laughs> yeah. But usually, yeah, I did try to follow where, especially if it's 5, 4 p.m. and I'm feeling sleepy, it's like, okay, I can wait five yeah. hours or even four hours and just go to bed at like 8 or 9 p.m. And that's okay. And usually you end up waking up at like 2 or 3 in the morning, but that's just kind of part of the process. But yeah, I completely agree with everything you said. And I, I try as much as possible um, to be able to hold that sleep. Yeah. <laughs> um, or, or I love actually a hack that I love doing is to actually book, whether it be like a flight overnight or a bus overnight. We just recently had a bus journey just to another city within the country. And it was eight hours all overnight. So just slept on the bus. It was literally the fastest bus ride I've ever been on wow. just because of the fact that I was asleep the entire time. Yeah, and I can fall nice. asleep in most places. So yeah. that was a little hack that I liked as well. Yeah, I think you're born to do what you do because there are a lot of people who couldn't fall asleep on a bus like that. So clearly you're you're doing the right thing. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I hope so. Um, so yeah, thank you for sharing all of those tips. I think that, um, oh gosh, so much in there. You know, for me, I will say myself personally, I have never been a very strict morning routine person. 
However, I do like to have certain things in my mornings. If possible, you know, traveling full time, it can be tricky being in a hotel or an Airbnb, but I like to have a smoothie in the morning. Essentially, I like to go for walks. You know, I'm always in a new city, a new place. So I find that for myself, walks are a really productive way to get in some exercise. It can turn into very easily three or four hour walks. Um, And then it's nice because my partner and I, we actually also kind of have creative walks where we chat about business and life and work and next steps uh, while we're on our walk. So they are usually very productive walks. And I love talking about, um, you know, business and strategy and different things like that. So um, it's kind of nice to hit two birds with one stone in a sense with that. But um, I do find from my lifestyle walking and then, yeah, like I said, having that morning smoothie when possible, you know, there's not always a blender, especially in hotels. Why now we are booking a lot more Airbnbs um, because it does have a lot of those homey feeling amenities. Um, And a blender for me is an amazing one. I actually traveled with a blender for a while. Oh my gosh, wow, that's commitment. Yeah, it was a portable blender, but it just got to be too much. And I only have one suitcase. So even a small blender, you know, it was it was too much and it wasn't very powerful. Um, so that was kind of unfortunate, but yeah, I do kind of have those specific things that I find work best for me, um, in order to really be productive and set up my day so that I know I'm just going to get things done and I will have a little bit of time to think to myself, go for a walk, read a book, whatever that really looks like. Um, I love that. Yeah. You know, I think walking is highly underrated. I go for a walk every day and I think for, um, you know, just the, the physical benefits, it's great. It lowers your cortisol. You're getting out, you're getting moving. Um, and then, like you said, cognitively, you're using um, a different part of your brain than you would if you were just if you're just sitting, because if you think about it from our um, our ancestors point of view, right, when they're walking around the Great Plains, they're like searching for lions. And so when you're walking, even though you don't see it, your brain is sort of surveying the environment for safety issues. And so you're getting to use a part of your brain that you typically don't use. And so that's why, you know, when you are about to make a decision or need to think through some things, going for a walk can be really helpful because you're just stimulating neurons and in, in parts of your brain that you don't typically use. And it really does result in um, some good ideas sometimes. Like you said, you talk about business stuff. Some of my best ideas have come to me after I've taken a walk. I love that. Yeah. I had no idea about that kind of from the ancestors where that comes yeah. from, but so interesting. Um, yeah. And I completely agree. Some of my best ideas, um, my, my partner, especially whenever we're talking and I'm like, oh, like this would work. This would work so well with your audience. And it's just like, yeah, I don't think I would ever think of that if I was just mm-hmm. sitting. True. My desk. So it really is a different um, mindset that you have. I would love to chat about, so you have built out a 4E framework for creating habits quickly. So what does that look like? Explain more about what that is and how that can really help. Yeah. So um, my background, again, is in neuroscience. Um, and what I found in those two years where I was working virtually during COVID is the clients who were able to get the results they wanted and maintain them, because I, I focus on weight loss. They all had one thing in common, and that was that they created good habits. So I was able to really dig into the research, leverage my background in neuroscience. I dug into the behavioral psychology and the physiology and came up with this framework for quickly developing habits. And so my framework is called the four E's. So the pillars of the framework are emotions, ease, eyesight, and environment. 
Um, and so this is something I use with all of my clients um, because it's so much habits are so much more important than just following a meal plan, right? A meal plan might be good for a week, but the minute you go on vacation or you go to a wedding or, you know, anytime you get off track, it's useless. And so what I like to do is teach my clients um, how to choose the best foods for themselves in any situation and um, teach them to create good habits and not just for now, but in the future. You know, if you decide six months from now, you'd like to make a habit of running, I want you to feel prepared to do that, um, to really set that habit into motion. And so um, the, I can talk you through the first pillar. So the first pillar is emotions. And so um, really the idea behind this is, and the, the quickest way to Put this into action is when you're thinking about starting a habit, it really helps to avoid doing something you hate. So let me give you an example. I have a lot of clients that come to me and say, I want to start working out. I haven't worked out in 10 years. I'm going to start running, right? but I hate running. And so you're actually working against yourself at that at that point, because dopamine, right, the feel-good neurotransmitter that we get when we do something that we enjoy, um, it actually strengthens the connections between neurons and makes activities easier to perform again. Um, and so, going back to the um, our, you know, our, our ancestors, if you think about this, rewarding behavior was good to be repeated, right? So um, our ancestors, it was important for them to find tribes, right? For friendship and that felt good, but that was also for safety reasons. It was important for them to eat because that's going to help them for famine. So eating feels good, but it's actually going to help them. Um, it's important for them to have sex. So that feels good, but it's actually important for procreation. So our brains are wired in a way to repeat rewarding behaviors. So if you are wanting to start a habit and you immediately start off with something you hate, you're, it's just, it's going to be an uphill battle the, the, the whole way. And so if you can start with something that you like, that, that's going to be more helpful. But also if, if you want to start with something neutral, that's fine too. Um, and I, you know, I have tricks, um, in my program that walk you through how to take a neutral habit and, and trick your body into thinking that it's something more positive. And so, you know, an example behind this is if you've ever heard, um, that if you stick a pencil in your mouth to force a smile, you're, you naturally become more happy, right? So they've done like fMRI studies where they look at people's brains. And if you fake a smile, you naturally become more happy. Um, and so there's another study out of Harvard that said, if you fake these power poses, so like hands on your hips or hands back here, you can trick your body into, you can trick your brain into thinking you're more confident, right? So this is a study out of Harvard. So now, you know, if you were to go into a boardroom and you take these like high power pants, uh, how high power stances, you can trick your brain into thinking you're more confident. So in the same way, um, you can trick your brain into thinking that you like an activity that's going to cause more dopamine to be released. And that's going to help you um, wire in that um, activity. So it becomes um, a much easier habit. So, you know, when, when people are first starting out and they say, what's one tip? I say, please don't start with something that you hate, right? If you hate running, maybe start with walking, but, but also there's bar, there's Taekwondo, there's, there's a billion things you could do to exercise, find something that you somewhat enjoy. And that's going to be the easiest thing. Um, the other part of uh, the emotions pillar is really setting yourself up for success by not um, going too big. So feelings of happiness also help to wire in the behavior. And so if you say, I'm going to run five miles today, and you get outside and you can barely run down the block, right? You're going to feel upset. You're going to feel disappointed. You might have some shame. And then the next time you go for a run, your brain's going to say, 
I didn't like that. Like last time that felt crappy. I don't want to do that again. Um, and so if you can really focus on breaking it down and setting small wins, um, and those feelings of success will also help to wire in the habit. Um, and I think that's, that's mainly where people go wrong, especially, you know, with January 1st and, um, starting a New Year's resolution, everyone wants to go all in, right? They say like, I'm going to go to the gym every day this week. But is that realistic? Like when, when was the last time you went to the gym? Okay, a year ago, you know, so really starting small and, and um, building momentum and motivation with those small wins is also going to help to to wire in the habit. Hmm, that's so interesting. Thank you for sharing that framework. And it makes me think of something in my own situation. It actually has nothing to do with health and fitness, um, but it does make me think. So I, for the longest time, I hated posting on social media. And then, you know, I realized how it can really impact people and my knowledge and what I know and that I want to share it. But I had this negative mindset block that I just hated posting. I didn't mind consuming or being on it. It was just actually creating the content. And so yeah. I myself to create content for now it's been quite a few months, probably about two or three months now. Um, and I basically just told my brain like, no, you like it, you are going to do it. Uh, it. You know, it's not something that takes that long to do, especially when you're getting inspiration, you're looking at other people's content, you know what you want to talk about and what you want to share. So I basically feel like I kind of forced my brain into... Yeah it. And now I post every day. And it's not that I, it probably wouldn't be my favorite thing in the world to do, but it is not something that I dread. And I'm like, no, I don't know how to do it. I can't do it. I just, I just do it. I just make myself do it. Yeah. It sounds like you changed the narrative behind it. So instead of saying like this, cause physically it's not hard, right? It's a, it's a couple minutes, but you had this mindset around it of, you know, maybe what if people don't like it or whatever. And if you change the mindset to say, no, this is really helping people. Like I'm out here changing lives. I could inspire someone to quit their, you know, job and, and chase their passions. When you change your mindset around it, it becomes easier to do. You can really trick your brain into it because your brain doesn't want to feel bad. It doesn't want to do things that feel bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's a really interesting way of looking at it is that your brain doesn't want to feel bad. And so do things, either do things that make it feel good or change the mindset around it. Um, and it's really interesting that you do mention about those poses as well, that you can trick your brain into something. And then I personally feel like eventually doing it for long enough you would have that new mindset or your brain would think, you know, I do like posting every day or whatever that looks like. And then you really embody that of like, I actually enjoy this. I actually enjoy this. This is something that I enjoy doing. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's true. And then so the, the second pillar is ease. And, you know, just going back to what you said, because these habits aren't just for, you know, health and fitness. It could be for anything in your life. And I think also important for entrepreneurs, right? Sometimes you have to create habits and they're not things you want to do. Um, but I think if you can break it down, right? So you want to make something as easy as possible. Um, so instead of thinking, I need to create all this content, I need to create, you know, 30 reels. No, I'm just going to create one reel. I'm just going to do one. That's all I'm going to do today. I'm going to spend 20 minutes. I'm going to create one reel and just like, you know, avoiding overwhelm by breaking it down and scaling it back is is really huge. And because I think for some people, the hardest thing is getting started. And um, we put things off and we put things off. So um, breaking it down and scaling it back just really has tremendous benefits with anything you're trying to do. Overwhelm can be paralyzing and it can stop people from yeah. doing 
absolutely anything. So just really breaking it down into small snippets is so much more doable. Yes, maybe in the long run, it will take you a little bit more time if you're doing it every day instead of doing it, you know, once or twice a month in larger quantities, but whatever gets you started, that's, that's yeah, how I- exactly. Yeah. Whatever gets you started. And the other pillar I think is applicable to you and your listeners is environment. Um, and you know, what that says is, you really need to be mindful of, of your environment, um, meaning the people, right, in which you surround yourself with. So if you are trying to quit your job and you're trying to start something new and you want to travel and no one in your life understands that or wants to do that, you have to find new friends, right? So like, I think it's amazing that you're, you know, creating this community where people can talk and get advice and share stories um, because you're never going to level up um, if everyone in your life is doing the same thing. So I think the people that you surround yourself with, one can give you um, accountability, right? They can say, Hey, did you, did you do that thing that you said you were going to do, but they can also inspire you. Um, so, in, you know, I see that um, I think that's true in general, but I see that with health and weight loss all the time. You know, if your friends are going to a Pilates class on a Saturday, you're probably going to do that. If your friends are going to a boozy brunch and then, going out for more drinks and, you know, they're going to go sit home and eat popcorn. Well, then you're probably going to do that. So it's like, who do you want to be and who can you surround yourself with to reach those goals? Yes, I absolutely love that you included that. Thank you for including that one. And, you know, it makes me think of my own journey to becoming an entrepreneur and having my own business. And at the very beginning, while I was actually living in China, I was stuck in the pandemic in Canada for COVID, went back to China, and then I went back to a circle of friends that I had known for many years living in China. And they were all, you know, they worked for somebody else. They would work eight hours a day. And then Friday and Saturday, they would go out. And it was always the same conversations I found that we were having about yeah. work and about um, not making enough money and about not having enough time to do what you want or to travel or whatever yeah. that looked like. And it was interesting, the mindset shift, because before COVID, when I was living in China, that was just what, what we talked about. And then mm. after coming back to China, I was no longer interested in those conversations. I wanted to yeah. be surrounded by people who right. were talking about business, talking about leveling up, reading um, entrepreneurial books and business yeah. books and self-wellness books and really having a completely different um perspective on my life and where I wanted to go. And those friendships are still amazing and I still talk to them, but it's very limited conversation because yeah. the things that we really want to talk about are just not a priority or yeah. So really, really interesting. And then, you know, to finish that story off, I ended up meeting my partner who is a business owner and has had a business for so long. And I was like, oh my gosh, I love talking to you. It's so interesting and stimulating. And it's just it was so unique and different from any of the conversations I was having with any of my friends at that time. And now being, you know, a full-time nomad on the road, I really only want to meet up with people who are in a very similar situation to us, who are traveling full-time, have an interest in travel, have their own businesses, understand what that looks like, and that you're working a lot of the day. And even though you're in a new place, it's not like you're exploring 12 hours a day. You're right. working a lot of that time. And, you know, those people I just, I really align with and I love meeting people. And that's why I love having this podcast too, is meeting yeah. Both a very similar interest. My last question for you is about your big three formula for meals and snacks. What does that look like and how can that help travelers and nomads alike? 
Absolutely. So um, going back to what I said earlier, I don't believe in meal plans. I think they're a waste of time because when you're on the road, like when you're in China, the options are going to be very different than when you're in Canada. So like a meal plan that was made for you in Canada is worthless in China. So what I like to do is again, teach my my clients to eat, um, teach them how to choose the best foods for themselves in any situation. So my big three formula is um, just a, a breakdown for how you can put together meals and snacks so that they're going to make you feel full and focused for hours. They're going to balance your blood sugar. Um, the biggest problem I see with clients is people aren't adding enough protein and fat to their meals and snacks and they're hungry two hours later. It's like if you're having a really satisfying meal, you shouldn't be hungry for four hours. Um, and if you're eating before that, then you you probably need to add more to your meals. Um, so the formula is the big three are protein, fat, and phytonutrients. So protein can look like anything, right? Chicken, fish, steak, tofu, beans, right? If you're a vegetarian, any anything like that. Um, fat, avocado, yogurt, cheeses, olives, olive oil. Um, you know, there's, there's a whole list. And then phytonutrients are really just plant foods. So the benefits here are, uh, plant foods are high in fiber. So that's also going to make you feel full and it's going to help, um, your digestion to move more slowly. So it's not spiking your blood sugar. And then, um, plants are filled with these thousands of phytonutrients, which have so many benefits within the body, um, and can help with health and weight loss. So, um, you know, in addition to that, you can also add carbs in, but I think having those three at all of your meals and snacks is the best bet. And so it's not about counting calories. It's not about portion sizes, like a three ounce chicken. No, it's just make sure those three are on your plate and then eat slowly until you're full and you're fine. Um, it shouldn't, life shouldn't be a math equation, right? We're out here to enjoy ourselves, especially if you're traveling, you want to make things as easy as possible. So, um, really just making sure you have those three nutrients, fats, protein, phytonutrients, um, at, at every snack and meal, and then you're good to go. Mm -hmm. I really like that. I've, I've never heard it explained that way before. So thank you. And I like that because you're, you literally hit the nail on the head. You know, when I am in China, I cannot find, well, they do have kind of like their version of Amazon. So that makes it a little <laughs> bit easier. Um, but you know, it's very difficult to find the things that I know and that I like when I'm at home in Canada and same right now I'm in Colombia. It's very difficult to find, let's say like a good protein powder or whatever. Sure. But in my smoothies, hemp heart, it's very different here. You know, smoothies is yeah. so much culture here and in a lot of the places that I travel to. So I think that that's something really important that I'm going to be keeping in mind is to just have those specific um those specific nutrients and foods on your plate instead of, oh, I need to get this and it needs to be imported from this country and it's going to take one month to arrive and it yeah. can be a hassle. Right. I think it's easiest breakdown because regardless of where you are, you know what protein is, you know what foods have fat in them, and you know you know um, what plant foods are. So just make sure you get a combination of those three and you'll be, you'll be good to go. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing everything that you shared on the show today. Before you go, one question that I like to ask my guests is what is one thing that you know now that you wish you had have known at the beginning of your journey? Hmm. I love this question. I'm so many things. There's, there's definitely more than one thing. Um, 
I would say just trusting your gut. You know, I think at the beginning of my journey, I was um, just insecure and nervous, and I probably would have taken the leap earlier um, had I just had a little bit more confidence. Um, so like, trust your gut. I have so many friends, and I'm sure you do too, that hate their jobs, right? That just hate their jobs, that hate what they do every day. So like, if your gut is telling you, this isn't for me. I don't like what I do. You weren't put here on this planet to spend eight hours a day doing something that you hate. Like you can do something that you love. You can make money doing it. We're proof of that. Um, and you can own your own schedule. So just trust your gut. If something's feeling off, listen to that and, and get curious about it and, and sit with that. And, and it should lead you in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Amazing last words. So where can everybody find you online? Yeah. So, um, on Instagram, I'm the happy, healthy nutritionist and my website is the same happy, healthy nutritionist.com. Um, come on over and, and check things out and say hello. If this episode has served you in any way, I would love it if you shared what you've learned or a part of the episode that you loved by tagging me on Instagram at nomadneeks. If you haven't already, please hit the subscribe button and leave a five-star review so that I can continue to bring you educational content, learn and grow together. Thank you for your support and see you in the next episode of the Work, Wealth and Travel podcast.